0: Listeners, you are listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week, we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We're your hosts,
1: Sam Collier and Sarah Cho, and this is our miscellaneous episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, an episode of just a mixed bag of things where we're just going to talk about stuff that we felt like you can't really fit into a full episode but there's a lot on our mind and we just want to share our thoughts on so many things and so we're kind <laughs> of going off script you don't know what we're going to say we're, we don't we're, even we don't know what we're we going to say we don't know so, it's kind of like
0: for those of you who remember the early days, Beckett's to <laughs> Babies 1.0. This was our whole show. We just sit and talk about random things. Yeah, and and that made no sense. Now you're getting a taste of it, even though we're older and wiser. <laughs> older, yes. Wiser mm. <laughs> I don't know. I feel wiser. Okay. I mean, when I think back to who I was when I was twenty-five, I didn't know anything. But I thought I did.
1: Yes. Okay. I felt like I never had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew everything all the time, and I was always right. So, you did. Okay. That's true.
0: That <laughs> is totally true. And if
1: I'm even if I'm wrong, I will just fight till the very end to be right. <laughs> some might some might say that I'm an Aries. I don't know. Um. So. Let's just talk about uh, the theater in general. Like it's been a year since the lockdown. Uh, yeah. What has what? I mean, this has been a crazy year, but a lot of exciting things have happened along the way, mm-hmm. good and bad. <laughs> um. So, what's going on? When, when Let's pre- and we're gonna also predict. Like, what? Where do you see the theater Ooh. going? Isn't
0: it interesting? I mean, it's been a year, and it feels like it's been 10 years, and it also feels like it hasn't been any time because I'm so used to thinking about time as moving forward and things Mm -hmm. happening, and it kind of feels like nothing has moved forward and nothing has happened, so it feels like it hasn't really been any time, Mm -hmm. but also the days have gone on and on and on. And on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all uh. seem to blur together. Um, so, cool, exciting things that have happened, right, is Zoom, like, being okay with this whole, like, virtual meetings, mm. like, working with artists across the country or world, like, that you would, you know, would love to work with but can't, but now here's the opportunity to hear work out loud through zoom um and work with people um and and everybody is
0: set up to do that now so it's no big deal to just hop on a video call yeah whereas before the pandemic i feel like there would have been all this stuff that had to be put in place and like everyone has to figure out how it works and now Mm -hmm. it's just everyone knows how to do it
1: yeah so that's kind of cool yeah. There's no reluctancy of like, "Oh, no, I don't what's on being on camera." That's weird I mean, like I'm reluctant. I
0: will always be reluctant.
1: <laughs> yes. But
0: I I'm better at um getting over myself, I guess.
1: Great. <laughs> it's about freaking time. Um <laughs> get over yourself, Sam. Okay. Um Let's see. I, I see – I'm seen in a lot of theaters and organizations, you know, um, which is coming out and really, uh, like, denouncing racism or, like, being mm. like, this is what we're about. Or, this is what we're standing. That, I mean, feel like that's been happening a lot this year. Yeah. Um, with uh, Black Lives Matter to even the most recently – the Asian hate crimes. Yeah. Asian hate crimes. So there's just something about that where I I kind of wonder where that's – if what they're saying is true. Like, are they going to really <laughs> stick to what they're saying? Like, because it's publicly out there. But it was also exposing a lot of organizations and theaters who did a lot of wrong. Yeah. And, so. I think it's really
0: interesting that this has happened, been happening in this time where there's no live theater because people, you know, these theater companies that are putting out all these statements and talking about how they're going to rethink their seasons and all that, they're kind of doing this at a time when they don't have to walk the walk yet. I mean, they can mm-hmm. make changes to their leadership, um, but we, because we are in limbo and we are in this time when theater as we're used to theater happening isn't happening um it's still i feel like they still haven't been tested yet hmm. they haven't had to put all these value statements into practice yet
1: yeah yeah and that's what's so interesting is like what that's gonna look like or yeah um, yeah Hmm. I mean, it is good to see them being so proactive and being like, mm-hmm. okay, let's try to do this. Let's do this. Let's, you know, put the statement out there. You know, hold us accountable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But to actually do what they're going to say. Like, I was like, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot harder than people think because you're you're like, it's not just picking seasons or but that's part of it, but I feel like it's really like, you're also looking at who's your audience and like really changing minds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you, Especially if you're a theater company that's been doing a certain thing for a really long time, a certain way. You're just but that's why that. I think
0: this moment is so powerful. I've been thinking a lot about grief, obviously because mm-hmm. losing my mom, but also, I mean, we've all been grieving for over a year. Yeah. The loss of you know, our familiar lives and so many people have died and, you know, so many people have gotten really, really sick and still haven't recovered. Um, So many people have lost their jobs or their homes. Mm. So there's just so much grief. And I've been thinking about how grief gives us an opportunity to reimagine the world Mm. um, as we're incorporating into ourselves this new reality we're also imagining new possibilities. And I think this is happening in theater. I mean, you could not have believed in 2019 that suddenly, within a week, Broadway would shut down, all these theaters would shut down and go dark for over a year. Yeah. And I mean, that I just feel like that would have been unimaginable. And so... It gives us this opportunity to really reimagine what what theater is and what it can be and who we can be, um, in a way that I don't think would have been possible if we weren't dark, you know, like Mm -hmm. I just I, I feel like the reckoning, the big reckoning with racial justice and Black Lives Matter that happened last summer was so was really made so much more powerful because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. um and the reckoning within the theater that's been happening is has been so much more powerful because we're already having to like figure out how to do theater on zoom (laughs) so yeah we might as well figure out how to do everything else in a new way also Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm making sense but um Yeah, it does feel like a time of great possibility.
1: Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, what would you like to see more of or what are some of that, those possibilities?
0: Well, we've talked about this before, but one thing mm-hmm. that I've become really, really tired of is the cycle of anointing some individual young new playwright who's like the it playwright of the year and like everyone's talking about them and their work and then 18 months later it's somebody new and like that person is chopped liver. (laughs) (laughs) um, And I just feel like that's not sustainable. It's not interesting. Mm -hmm. um, It might feel really, really great for that person during their time in the spotlight. But then how do Like, How do we as a theater industry continue to show support and interest in that person's work for the rest of their career? And also, Mm. why aren't we talking about companies and communities and groups of people putting on shows with the same energy and enthusiasm that we talk about the new it playwright? Hmm. Um, I I just feel like there's a way in which – Choosing a individual playwright, or I don't know, five playwrights to focus on as, you know, the new voice or whatever, the exciting new voice, um, does such a disservice to all the wealth of stories out there that people are telling and different ways of telling stories and... Um, I, I'm not saying this because I have a better model in mind, because I don't. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I just feel like there's got to be a better
1: way. Yeah. Wait. So you're saying so there shouldn't be like a like a highlight of? I don't
0: know. I just I think I'm just tired of the individualistic approach. Like mm. this person. Yeah. Um. And like all this buzz about who's the new playwright that everyone's excited about? And like, if you haven't read their play, like you're not in the know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. There's just like all this stuff that comes along with yeah. that. And then so quickly, nobody's talking about that person anymore. And then it's a new person. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess yeah. I don't know why it bothers me, except that it, it seems like very, just yeah. this idea that, it's all about the individual rather than about um,
1: the community. Hmm. Because I think when you're saying that, I always felt that was just the nature of new work, new play.
0: I, I know. And that's what I'm saying. But maybe it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, why does it have to be that way? That's the way we're familiar yeah. with it, so we like can't think outside of that.
1: Yeah, structure. I just, I, I'm thinking probably as an organization or a theater company. this that it it is a very publicity stunt. It's very mm-hmm. stunty, and mm-hmm. it's. I think it is easier to craft a narrative mm-hmm. for if it's like this individual being like. Like here they are now. Here they're coming from, and look what they're going to do. Possibilities, you know. Like here where they're headed, and it's so exciting for us to be part of this moment with them.
0: Right. Um, But it, yeah, you're right. It is. It feels totally about marketing, and it feels like every artist has to have a brand, and they have mm -hmm. to like promote themselves as a brand. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so bored with that. I'm so bored. I, don't, I don't want marketing to drive the way we make
1: theater. But like marketing, is everything. No, <laughs> it's literally everything. I don't want it to be. I don't know. I'm uh, yeah, I see. I see the frustration. <laughs> I'm just trying to see like, well, if that. Is also the problem. Then, like, what's the solution to? Well, like, what what is the antidote to this? I don't know. Yeah. Well, come up with one. That's harder, isn't it? It's so much
0: harder. <laughs> well, okay. So, well, now it's your turn. What are you thinking about? What do you want to see change in the theater?
1: Um, I think I want to see. Just like how we think of like this space, like I just feel like you know every major city has like the big theater right the regional theater like this is where all the the big musicals and stuff is happening here, mm-hmm. but i also i i like I just want one of the things we learned is like the small local theaters where a lot of people have probably spent majority of their time creating work and like community that's being suffered mm-hmm. that's been a lot um like i i think that dynamic of that like i wish that could change or that hopefully that could change in terms of more support um more i don't know like access to grants and stuff for or um for the the little guys <laughs> um yeah so how could yeah. that happen oh, i know it's like the, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> we say all these things. We just like, need more money. We, we need, need more. more
0: I think like we need more, more
1: public funding. Like, yeah, public funding. funding than, you're right. Relying on GoFundMe pages. And everyone, I'm like, oh no, we're going to lose this theater. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, the GoFundMe pages. I, I hate GoFundMe pages when I see it. Really? I just hate it so because much. Because it feels
0: like not a healthy, sustainable way to make yeah. art.
1: Make art. Um, On the other hand, helped.
0: I mean, just to be the devil's advocate over here, uh-huh. <laughs> isn't that like what, I don't know, people were doing for hundreds of years when they would like perform their little clown skit in the village square, like pass the hat around? Yes. I don't know where I get this idea, maybe from
1: movies? It just sounds like a, a dream you had. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, like, go into a past and a moment in your li- past la- life? and Are you that clown?
0: <laughs> I'm totally that clown. I don't know. I just feel like I have this mental image of people passing a hat around and, like, everyone puts in a coin, and that's, like, how they sustained their <laughs> yeah. performer lifestyle. Yeah.
1: Um, but I think isn't it one thing to where you have a gofundme page like oh here's the work that we want to support and let's keep, so that you could see it and product but uh, versus please save us or we'll die <laughs> like we're gonna true, lose everything true, like then true. it's like that 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 shows me that there's nothing sustainable there's nothing that's really working to keep the arts and like. I mean, it's just so crazy to me that there are people with billions of dollars, mm-hmm. and
0: like, what are they doing with it?
1: They're just. sitting I mean, on really,
0: it. our argument is with capitalism.
1: Yeah. And. Yeah. They're, they're the billionaires are literally just like sitting on it and being like, "This feels nice under my butt." <laughs> literally, they're
0: just hoarding all their money. Hoarding, hoarding.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what I love? I. I mean, I kind of wondered that maybe not everyone will be fully uh, comfortable going back into the theater. But I wondered if there will be some outdoor theater a little bit more Ooh, before, yeah. before they go into transitioning into indoors. Like, just kind of getting um, – that's what I was thinking. I love outdoor theater. Like, different – or just, like, different ideas of space of, like, not this – traditional proscenium, like you go in, but like maybe how can we rethink the space of the theater? But yeah, outdoor theater. One of my positions.
0: foundational artistic moments of my life was, I think it was like my first week at college and I went to see this dance performance that was in the middle of this big grassy field. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember if I was sitting or standing, but I, I just remember the dancers were really far away, like in the distance. Um Performing this dance, and there were also people just walking to class, or I don't know, like it was college, so probably like slacklining or <laughs> whatever <laughs> in the background. And those were just random people who were around, but they kind of became part of the show. So mm-hmm. there was dancers, but then there was also passers by, and somehow everybody became part of the show. And wow. I it was so formative for me because i i just love the idea that it was like i just had the sense of people being on this continuum and at one end of the continuum was intentional performance and at the other end was people just behaving naturally without being aware they were being watched and then somewhere in the middle were people who would like be walking by and then realize they were like Mm. (laughs) like being watched and had somehow entered this show, and so then they would kind of change the way they were walking or look a little uncomfortable. And it just—it <laughs> just made me love outdoor theater and outdoor performance. And I—I yeah. I just remember thinking all plays should happen in big fields or big outdoor arenas.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you have picnics, yeah. You to eat food, just like. Watch, enjoy the theater. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, if you're thanks.
0: wearing a mask, though.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, y'all we know you're not wearing a mask anymore because you got vaccinated.
1: I still need my second dose. Yeah, true, true. But, um, but I feel really confident with myself. <laughs> um. So that's our thoughts on theater. Update. <laughs> we solved it. We solved it. We solved it. Uh, what else do you need to know? Um. Now, let's go uh, – um, your updates. <laughs> my updates? Uh-huh.
0: Like about my life. Your life? Or like, um,
1: you know. I do have some even, news, even like but I can't
0: share it until the next episode.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Way to set it up. Getting it all Thanks. enticing. I, I just want to get them hooked. So hooked. they'll tune in next week. Um – or um, have you applied to anything, submitted plays to, to plays? No, I haven't. I've been writing. barely even been writing. I've just been reading yeah. a lot.
0: Um, mm. I, I'm i finding it so difficult to write plays while there's no theater happening. I mean, I know, I know I could write it in anticipation of theater happening, or I could write it for... Zoom, but that feels so abstract to me. I can't really picture what theater is going to look like. Maybe I'll write a play for people to come watch while they're eating a picnic outside.
1: I love it. I love that.
0: What do you, okay? Here's a question for you, Sarah What do you think is the perfect
1: food to eat while watching a play? Oh, definitely not chips. <laughs> Oh, good point. (laughs) Good point. Um I don't know, something like yummy. Um I'm just thinking like bento boxes Mm. or something like of just like yummy delicious food. (laughs) All looking cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Little finger foods. Little finger foods. Um not too messy.
1: Yeah. Easy cleanup. But I love I love eating. Outdoors. Like, I just feel like food tastes so much better. Yeah, it does. I mean, if it was really up to me, you know what I would do? Is like bring up uh, those like burners, <laughs> stove, bring it, and like start cooking. <laughs> like, <laughs> cook out. Some really, like, a oh, little cook. Well, I'm like, dude, because like. And then the smoke think... starts getting people's eyes. <laughs> and they have to, like, get up and move to another spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah. So. That'd be fun. But, yeah, I know that would displease a lot of people. They're I mean, like, really? You couldn't just cook in your own kitchen? But <laughs> then it'd be part of the show. Like, you do act
0: one, and then you make burgers, and everyone gets a burger, and then you do act two.
1: Mm. So, like, people get the food during intermission. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. As I was asking you the question about submitting your plays and stuff, and you said, no, I'm not doing it." Yeah, share your stuff. updates, Sarah. No, I was gonna ask you something first. Oh, okay okay. One of the things I've been saying, um, people, you know, this has been such a crazy time um, and probably for financially financial reasons too, is like the submission fee. Mm. Should that change? Like should I know um, was it the uh, bay Bay Area? I think they did more of like a pay what you can for mm. their submission this year because they just knew like everyone's going through a tough oh, time. Like but that. also noticing that obviously this is a time that a lot of people seem to be writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably a lot of plays out there that want to be submitted, but maybe financially. So I'm kind of wondering about that is like, I wonder if this, at least this season, if they're going to make it reasonably inexpensive or go or do a pay what you can or
0: Well, I have to say, I mean, there's submission fees and then there's submission fees. I think for like $25, $30 that -hmm. some places ask is prohibitive and makes it inaccessible to a lot of people who would otherwise submit their plays.
1: Yeah.
0: I think, you know, a $3 submission fee or $5 feels much more reasonable. But I do Mm -hmm. have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I think it makes sense to me to want to pay the readers because – I don't think you should ask people to work for free in the arts. Um, On the other hand, maybe institutions should be raising money to pay their readers not from the pockets of playwrights who (laughs) are, like, super broke. Yeah. Um, You know, people point out all the time that actors don't have to pay to audition. Yeah. And... You know, it, it really does add up. So yeah, one really thing does. I didn't realize for a number of years, and now I do this every year, is you can deduct submission fees when you do your taxes as an expense. Mm. So, you know, I, I haven't done it for last year yet because I haven't done my taxes yet. But <laughs> like the last couple of years, it was like $200 that yeah, on average that I spent on submission fees. And That's a lot of money so
1: this this year I s because I had the time to and write and like I I had um submitted to like T V pilot competitions and stuff. Mm,
0: some of those are super expensive, right? So expensive. They're like between anywhere
1: between if you do early deadline, it's like $35, thirty five, thirty dollars. But if you do late, it's like up to a hundred dollars. It's so crazy. And then, and here's the thing where they try to like, you know, um, soften the blow a bit is like if you will give you uh like a reader's um coverage like a script coverage of it you know like a logline oh, yeah. and stuff like that to kind of like we'll give you some feedback of this and i'm like honestly i don't really care <laughs> i just i don't even really care what the reader thinks to be honest yeah um, i like if it's gonna help decrease the cost but i feel like they try to do that is like you're paying this much but guess what you'll get out of it and i'm like i, I don't know like i don't really care <laughs> yeah because at that point i was like i have my play or whatever written read by like a lot of people a group of friends you know who have all different point of views and like gave me good so i kind of understand going in like what i should expect but i was like i like i don't know
0: it That's, does feel kind of predatory yeah but it it, it's really preying is. on people's hopes and dreams and they think oh you know yeah. maybe I could have yeah. this made into a tv show so I'm gonna
1: pay but more so in yeah I feel like $75. that in, in um in like those screenwriting and tv writing competitions for sure like way more than plays like mm-hmm. right. I feel like f- for those that and like they really say like here are the, the literary managers and agents that's like that if you make it to the final list, we'll read. You know? Right. And it's like, they're all like that. And I'm just like, ugh. it's like, I was like, man, I think this, I don't know, this whole experience of this season of submitting pilots and stuff. Like, I, and what's so crazy is like, people who get their TV shows are made, it's not, almost always not really the competition, to be honest. It's like who they know. And yeah. Like, and who, um, they know and then they get that writing job and then you work your way from there like it's like it that's really the where the experience comes from it's not winning these competitions is almost like never really does anything it, i them. mean
0: it feels like playing the lottery the odds it are is. so long yeah and and people don't realize or they think they're going to be lucky you know or special mm-hmm. and um and that's what makes it feel predatory But I don't think it's the same with necessarily with play development opportunities. That feels like a different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, I have to say, I think I've said this before, having been a reader for, you know, residency applications or play script submissions, you realize how many amazing writers there are and how many pieces there are that you just have to say no to because you can only take so many. And so... That just makes it feel really unfair to charge people a lot of money when you know you're going to say no to so many great submissions, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um,
1: it's a lot of money.
0: But nobody has enough money. I mean, that's part of the problem. Like, these theaters like, do not have enough money, and the people reading the scripts need to be paid, in my opinion. So where do they get the money? Or you know, if they have a cash prize, mm. how do they raise the money if not from submission fees? That's a big question, I guess.
1: Yeah, especially if the, if a theater didn't have a season of shows, where they right. probably make some revenue from there. Um, mm-hmm. GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> Starting so a
0: GoFundMe page. I just think we need a movement in this country to bring back public funding for the arts. It's yeah. just been so gutted over the last half century there used to be so much more public funding for the arts and I mean same with education it's just been hollowed out Um, and so then what you get is a lot more privately subsidized arts and then that has its own issues because then you're beholden to those private donors
1: Mm
0: -hmm. okay I'm going to get off my soapbox now
1: no no stay on there (laughs) I'm not – just stay on there. <laughs> um, so um, we got like- – What do you feel like
0: you've learned from this year of pandemic mm-hmm. and pandemic theater?
1: Um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but, you know, before the pandemic, I was doing a lot of sketch comedy and I was writing a lot of short stuff. And I was just like uh, running around like crazy, like a crazy person. Mm. Just constantly running around and being able to just have this time to slow down and have the time to write something longer than three pages. Mm. I was like, I, I there if there's something I learned is that, you know, the lifestyle I had was not sustainable to to have the time to write these longer things that I want to write. Like, these are, like, ideas and stuff that have been, like, in my head for so long. But I never gave myself the time. Yeah. Because I was constantly filling my schedules up with other rehearsals and other meetings and other meetups and things like that. Um, That I was, like, you know, writing plays or something longer is, like, so fulfilling for me. Way more than you know, doing a show for like half an hour mm. and, maybe, maybe, and maybe my sketch goes in or not, you know? Like, something about like, writing something long took <laughs> longer than three pages, it's just like, it's so meaningful and I'm like, I forgot how meaningful that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, that's the thing I was, I kept going back and forth. I was like, when everything's opens up and I'm like, will I want to go back to sketch comedy? Like, will I want to go back to that that Life, because like, I miss it. Do I miss it? Yes. Like I miss it, but I just don't think for a writer, you know, who wants to write longer things, is, I, don't, I don't think it was sustainable. Because I, my mind was constantly thinking of like these like short jokes, short jokes, joke, joke, jokes, mm. but never gave, having the giving myself the capacity to like think a little bit more. I mean, I'm sure there are writers are like I do stand up comedy and I do this and I roll five features and I'm like, okay, yeah, but um, are they good? Are they good? <laughs> I know. Um, yeah,
0: it's reminding me of. I think it's Cal Newport, this guy who writes a lot about um, tech and the brain. Talks about deep work and this idea that you need time in the week to really think deeply and think more long term, mm. rather than focusing on short term projects or you know, just like keeping up with emails. That's a different yeah. kind of thinking than. Um, getting rid of all distractions for an afternoon and really spending time with a longer project. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, he really advocates like not using social media at all and using email very sparingly, I think, you know, and just like um, – but, but it is a big question. I think as everything opens up, how are we going to sustain – these new ways of thinking that are helpful Mm -hmm. when we go back to our old lives. Yeah. I remember Megan Gogarty saying she, um, I think think she was saying she takes Friday mornings every week and that's just her time Mm. to, it's like office hours, but for herself. And she can write a play or she can research or just... But she just marks it off on her calendar, and there's no other things that she, yeah, allows to come into that time,
1: which which makes sense. Going back to the old life of like, because you had to carve those times out, right? right? Like, because you the rest of the time you're like teaching or working, multiple projects. You, but that for yourself, that carving that time. But there was something, just something different where I was like, you know, like oh. There's a lot of freedom today. Like I was like, oh, there's really
0: mm-hmm.
1: I have so much time today. Like where I think a lot of my as like thoughts and like thinking came from just going for a walk. You know, I was like yeah, oh, a thing I want to keep thinking about, and then how do I unlock that? And I'm just going for a walk. Like there, so I was like, how do I was like how do I live a life where I give myself that have that space, mm-hmm. but also, but also I was like. Too much space and I was going crazy. I was, I was like, mm-hmm. um well, not- because when it's not a choice, it just feels like Yeah. It's yeah. been imposed upon you. Yeah. It really it, i felt like it took me at least almost like three months to reprogram myself mm-hmm. to be like adjusting. <laughs> I, I think I described it, I was like, this feels like my Iowa days. <laughs> like I was like, there's <laughs> this like so much. It does feel like there was a lot of time and um, focus on one thing rather than like 20 different things. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any final thoughts on this? I mean, I feel like we just kind of talked about theater in general, which is good. There wasn't a lot mm-hmm. not other stuff, but I need to do a better job of <laughs> I have so many questions that comes up throughout the week that I should really write it down so to mm. talk about on her show that I just I encounter a lot. You'll um, uh, think yeah. of them next yeah. time. Sorry. All right, so glisten. You want to go first? Sure. Um, so my glisten is. I've been uh, in this development process with Moving Arts Theater um, in LA where I proposed a play and then I have this like nine months to write it and it's been really fun. Um, I I went, there's a cohort of five playwrights including myself and then I went first two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and that was, it was, it was like first time where I Heard my play out loud by Asian American women, like all Asian, like, mm. you know, I felt like in the past when I wrote plays, I would love to have like Asian Americans in, in it, you know, it's kind of always like, I don't know why it was so hard to find, like, I'm not saying they weren't good, but they're like, actually, like, who understand what new work is, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm. and being able to get the nuances and try to, and so to hear it out loud, I was like, oh my gosh, like, they and especially asian american women like are like are like oh they get me yeah they they're, they're like they understand what i'm trying to say here like the the um the feelings behind these lines like get it they get it you know and so to hear it and to have the theater be able to bring that together like i was like wow this is a really cool thing to happen in like in just to have this experience because i feel like in my arsenal of experiences, like, this, nothing like this ever happened for me. Oh, my gosh. And that's
0: such an amazing feeling. Yeah. I feel like at a a certain level, all of us playwrights are just writing for that moment when somebody gets what we're trying to say so perfectly. You know, like, that's it. That's the thing. And they read the line and show us back to ourselves something inside of us. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's like mm. what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and this is like the most theater I'm getting. Like, and also the first experience on Zoom. Like, I never. Mm. I mean, I, I participated, like, sat in in Zoom readings, but just to for my own play, I was like, oh, so this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting experience. Um, and then I was like, man, this is like the most theater I've gotten all year long. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And, and there's this like, I feel like there's this like feeling of like, oh, I feel like renewed optimism because like this is happening and i'm like okay so like this feels like a step towards of what could be possible in the future of like maybe things will open up and then maybe we'll like meet each other in person and like i don't know so it's like exciting Thing to happen, um, so
0: I'm sure our listeners want to know if there's going to be an opportunity for them to hear this play or read it at some point.
1: Hopefully, <laughs> okay. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I know there's going to be a uh, a reading at the end of this whole process that's open to public. Um, but I just don't know. I think it's right now planned for Zoom. I'm not sure. I in think what Netflix month? Up in there. Uh, uh, I want to say October. All right. Don't count me on no, no. that. Stay Don't
0: tuned, care. everybody. <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah. I can't wait. Um,
0: your glisten? My glisten is I just started reading Hamnet.
1: This Hamnet. book that everyone's
0: talking about. Yeah. It's by Maggie O'Farrell. It's a fictionalized account of um, Shakespeare's son who died when he was 11. Oh. Um, and a few years later, Shakespeare wrote the play Hamlet. Um. It's so good. I just started reading it, although by the time this episode airs, I will have hopefully finished because our book club meeting is tomorrow night, (laughs) so (laughs) I have a lot of reading to do. When did you join a book club? Yeah, I'm in this virtual book club in Maine. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, But yeah, like literally I have 48 hours, no, less than 48 hours to finish reading this book. You'll do it. You Um, can do it. It's so good already, though. I mean, the writing is, it, is stunning. So it's like a historical fiction,
1: or the way it's, it's
0: yeah. I mean, it's a novel. It's definitely mm-hmm. fictionalized. I think she took some loose historical information and then turned it into gotcha. a novel. It's really beautiful.
1: Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, keep us posted. And I will. You know will. how your book club was. I will. <laughs> I was in the the Oprah's book club for a bit. We oh, like how was Instagram. it? Instagram. Um, it was fine. I was like, I was like in the beginning of the pandemic, and I was like, you know what? I, I
0: that was I back mean, when I, you were
1: still trying to fill up your schedule. Yes, exactly. Really it was and I was just like, this isn't the same. <laughs> this isn't the same. I'm trying to fill up my schedule. Like, it's I can't. You know, I was like, it's not the same. So that totally ended. Um, but cool. All right, so listeners. If you have any questions you like us to talk about on the show uh, know that we'll do these random <laughs> miscellaneous mixed bag episode. We'll do it where we'll just speak our mind <laughs> not that it's really I, mean, I, don't, I don't know
0: when it's coming it'll just you surprise. don't know when it's gonna
1: come yeah you don't know when it's gonna come. it's not, it's not a it's not a monthly thing. It's not a yearly thing. You don't know. You don't know us. (laughs) (laughs) But if you have
0: questions, we're full of knowledge. So ask away.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for tuning into another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends.
1: And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckett'sbabies.com. That's www.beckett'sbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening.